each year around this time, we do think about all that has happened to us over the last year and begin to set our hearts in the direction of God's purposes for the year to come. It's a bit of a trick of the calendar. Uh, people have different New Year celebrations around the world, but in our calendar, we are now entering the first month of a new year. And I think it is always good to pause and to reflect and to thank God for His faithfulness, to look forward to the future and know that even though we might, may not know the future, God knows the future. We know who holds the future, and that is our wonderful God. But I'm also speaking to you about how to build your future. Yes, God has a wonderful future mapped out for you, every single one of us. We may not know exactly what that future is, but God will reveal what we need to know so we can enter fully into it. Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse 3 says, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. So here's the first clue. If we want to know what God has for us, ask him. Call upon him and say, God, show me, show me your plan for uh, show me your plan for my life. Show me what you want me to do. I want to line up with your purposes. Reveal your purposes. Reveal your plan. Reveal your destiny. And God says, I will do it. I will answer. I will reveal to you. We walk by revelation. We live by revelation. We're built up by revelation. And the Holy Spirit is the spirit of revelation. He's also the spirit of wisdom. So that when you receive revelation, you receive wisdom by which you can follow the plan of God. But notice he says, what I have stored up for you, these are great and mighty things. If you're going to team up with God, get ready for big plans. Our God knows nothing small. He is the God of greatness. He is the God of might. He's the God of power and all the potential that lies within our lives as the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ is resident within us. So expect great things from God. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of revelation. As I've been saying, 1 Corinthians 2, verses 9 to 10, it says, But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. This tells us that God's plans are not visible to the naked eye. It's not audible, nothing we can see with our eyes or hear with our own physical ears. And you may say, well, you know, I, I prefer a reflective approach. I'm going to sit and reflect and start to think about the future. Good thing to do. But remember, it will never enter your heart what God has prepared for you until he reveals this. Your future cannot be worked out by your own human wisdom and understanding. And one of the things I've been most conscious of is I've been preparing for the new year and all that God has for us. And there are so many calls upon our time and calls upon our ministry. And please pray for me that I will have the spirit of wisdom and revelation that I may know myself how I am to minister in the different parts of the world, the calls that are coming from all over the world and, 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 and Nigeria and Western Africa. You go once, it's never enough. You have to go a second 
second time to apologize for the first time. No, you have to go a second time and a third time because of the cause. There's so much need out there, so many nations untouched and so much to do. We need the wisdom of God that we only do what God calls us to do and we don't go beyond His, His calling. But even though we recognize that it's important to sit and reflect, we cannot assume that we understand God's purposes ahead of time. We must have revelation. And as you grow in life, you become very competent at planning your finances, planning your business arrangements, planning your social life, planning everything, and uh, we're good at it. And in every business meeting that I've been involved in, church business meeting, in the last few weeks, I've, I've, I've not come up with one single solution. Though I, c- I could have written ahead of time, we need to do this, 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 and this, there it is. I've done it all, get on with it. I could do that because you get experience in how to tackle difficult situations. And maybe you are finding that for your life right now. There's stuff that you say, well, I know how to handle this. I know what to do in these situations. Let me say to you respectfully, no, you don't. Until you have asked God, assume total ignorance. Assume total foolishness. Assume total stupidity until you've received a word from God. Because only when you respond to a word from God in your life will you be sure of a fruitful and prosperous life. If you do it in your own wisdom and strength, you're finished. Even the most competent of us, if we do it in our own strength, it's not going to work. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain, then the builder. But we haven't finished reading yet. 1 Corinthians 2 verses 9 and 10, we've read verse 9 showing that this is not accessible by our own wisdom and understanding or observation and reasoning. Verse 10, however, gives us the wonderful news that God has revealed these things to us through His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. What a wonderful thing to know that the Holy Spirit who lives in you has infinite wisdom, discernment, and insight, and He can scan the thoughts of God. The Holy Spirit can read the mind of God, and the Holy Spirit can reveal to you what He sees the Father doing, what He sees the Father planning. The plan and vision of God for your life is revealed to the Spirit, and the Spirit can reveal it to you. Now, when we dig deeper into this, we discover wonderful things. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. The Bible says, God is speaking. He says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Oh, hold it right there. If you've come from a religious legalistic background, that will cause you to be alarmed. God says, I know what I'm thinking about you. And if we were to say, oh, God is thinking something about me, what would that be? If you have a religious, negative, critical, uh, legalistic background, you will think these are the kind of thoughts God is thinking. I'm not very happy with you. 2013, you messed up big time. And you better watch it because if you don't change and something in your life, 2014, I'm going to come and get you. I'm going to make your life miserable. Uh, And this is the kind of fear that we have because we we think if God was to to reveal what he's thinking about us, it's it's going to be bad because he knows everything about us. He knows our weaknesses. 
He knows our sins. He knows our failures. And he looks at us and, and we kind of think he judges us. But I want to tell you, God's judgment has taken place 2,000 years ago on the cross. And God has only got good things to say to us, good things to think about us, good things to plan for us. And his purposes are purposes of good. Let's read on in the verse. Second. Uh, Jeremiah 29 verse 11, second part of the verse says this, I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace. Oh, oh, that word, let it heal your heart today. What is that word? Shalom. Shalom. Peace. The word shalom in Hebrew is so rich. It means total well-being, body, soul, spirit. God is thinking good things and planning good things for you. He wants his peace to rest upon you. He wants his peace to bless you physically, mentally, emotionally, financially. Uh, it's a good point to say amen. Physically, mentally, emotionally, financially. Amen. And in every part of my life, God wants his peace, his prosperity, his blessing, his fullness, his joy to be our portion. And when he, when he said that, he, he hasn't said enough because he said, remember, this is God's peace, he says. The peace I have in my mind for you. Peace and not evil. God is not in heaven thinking evil over your life thinking, Colin, die, I better squash him a little bit more because, you know, he, he's not exactly what I wanted and I have to put up with him because nobody else is willing to do what he's willing to do, but I have to put up with him. God says, no, 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 I'm not thinking evil about you. Our God is a good God. God is light. There is no darkness in him whatsoever. There is no shadow of doubt in him God is the God of blessing and every good thing and every good gift is coming from the Father into our lives. He says, I have thoughts of peace and joy and blessing and wholeness and fullness and healing and deliverance and everything else that we need, not evil. And he says, this is because I want to give you something, a gift. What is the gift? What is the gift? You've been distracted by gifts at Christmas time. And maybe you received some gifts that have already gone back to the shop. <laughs> or maybe you've been so generous and now the gift that you've received is the uh, credit card bill. <laughs> ah. Let me tell you about a gift that is free and good. And it's going to bless you throughout 2014. Here's my gift to you, God says. I'm giving you a future and a hope. A future and a hope. And a hope, the hope here means it's a positive future. It's a positive future. So you say to me, you're, you're telling me that God has given me a future, and yet you're also telling me I have to build my own future. It sounds like a contradiction or a paradox, but actually it's not. You see, God, though he plans for us and gets ready and makes all kinds of arrangements and, and promises us a future and builds us towards a destiny, we still have to rise up and lay hold of it. And we have to work out what God has for us. So the first thing is we have to understand what that future is. And secondly, how 
we can attain to it. How we can attain to it. What is the future and how we can attain to it? How do we build that positive future? Well, I have many principles uh, on this. And, um, and I'm going to focus on one of the main ways in, in which we build a positive future. Do you know that everything that you have in your life now is the result and the fruit of how you've been living and serving and the seed you've been sowing up until now. So if you want to reap a different harvest, you've got to sow a different kind of seed. I'm speaking to you this morning about the totally unbreakable law of sowing and reaping. Savan, in his uh, offering message, referred to that principle already. And uh, I'd like us to read... Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 9, it says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Now, if we read this, these verses in context, we find that it is speaking about sowing your finance. It is a principle that we can apply to every part of life. But here's the original context. In verse 6, it says, Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. That's verse 6. And then at the end, verse 10, it says, Therefore, we have op as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those of the household of faith. So this principle, Paul is applying it in context to sowing and reaping financially in your life. Now, we've already given our offering. That, that point has been strongly made in our offering talk. And anyway, what I want to do is take this principle and show how it works in every part of your life, not just in finance. For whatever you sow, you will reap. And, and it's not just talking about money. And uh, we discovered this is one of the most fundamental principles of God. One of the principles that God has set in order in the created universe is one of the ways in which God operates in the world and governing his universe. Now, I want you to understand I'm not speaking like some kind of crazy new ager today. If you deserve it, the universe will serve it kind of thing. I've heard that very recently. We're not talking about blind, impersonal principles operating metaphysically in the world. We're talking about a God who created all things, a God who has given us all things richly to enjoy, and a God who personally superintends his plans and purposes, and as we respond to him, works out those purposes in personal relationship with us. So it's not some kind of new age principle. This is God's word. Whatever you sow, you reap. You can't avoid this principle. It's unbreakable. You could as sooner break the law of gravity 
than you could break this law of sowing and reaping. God has instituted it in the universe and in your world personally. He enacts it and he oversees it. We see it operating in the physical world and we know that it also operates spiritually because this is what the Apostle Paul is saying. In the nature, sowing and reaping are linked in, in, and also in our interpersonal relationships and in our relationship with God. What we put in determines what we experience and enjoy. And this principle comes from God's very nature. When we look at the principle in detail in a moment, we will understand that this is one of God's wonderful ways of blessing. You can sow a seed and you can reap a hundredfold from a single seed. It's this God of multiplication, this God of bounty, this God who said in the beginning, as it says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. And we want this blessing, this fruitfulness and multiplication of the good things into our lives every single day of 2014 and beyond. God is the God of righteousness. Actions have consequences. And uh, we must never be deceived about this. We are a strong grace church, and we tell you that there's only one way to heaven, and that's by the grace of God. It has nothing whatsoever to do with anything you have done, everything, anything you are doing, or anything you will ever do. It has everything to do with what Jesus has finished and completed for you on the cross. And you are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. It's not by good works. Nobody can boast. However, that does not mean that we can just live as we like. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you shall reap. It's a principle of righteousness. It's a principle of cause and effects and of, and of consequences. But at the heart of it is a principle of responsibility, that we take responsibility for our actions. When I was first called into the Christian ministry, my work was very largely in drug rehabilitation, uh, rehabilitating young men and offenders, who were, people who were addicted to drugs and alcohol, and always the, the, the turning point in their lives was when every single one of them accepted that they were in that position as a result of their own actions, that it was not somebody else's fault, that you can look at all the stuff that's gone wrong, and, and believe me, I'm not lacking in compassion, and, and some people have such a bad start in life, and difficulties, and personality problems, and problems in their marriages, and problems in their families, and, and you can say, well, no, if, if I'd been through that, I would have taken to drink as well. But the point is, is that it's still a personal responsibility. We must accept our role in life, and God treats us with dignity when he says, I hold you responsible, and I hold you accountable. You may say, well, the circumstances that have hit me in 2013 were not of our, my making. You may well be right, though we do bring a lot on ourselves, don't we? But there are times where things happen to us which are way outside of our control, and God will not hold us accountable and responsible for the negative things happen to us, but he will hold us responsible for the way that we respond to the negative things that happen to us. Is that not right? So it's, a, it's a, a principle that gives us dignity, and God includes us in the plan and the operation of his purposes, the outworking of his destiny, and if we respond to him in the right and positive way, we will build that positive future, and we'll begin to experience it. 
Everything you're experiencing now in your life is the result of the seed you have sown in the past. And if you want to change some stuff, want to change your harvest, want to reap another harvest, a different kind of harvest, a more positive harvest, a blessed harvest, then sow the right kind of seed. Amen and amen. And so we have a part to play in receiving and working out our future and our destiny. So our part is to discover God's plan and fulfill it. Now, the principle is whatever you sow, you reap. And if you sow to the flesh, from the flesh, you will reap corruption. Now, whatever it means, it means something negative. You don't want that. Something that is corrupt, it means it's useless, it's fruitless, uh, and it's destructive in your life. We don't want to reap destructive things. We want to reap the other side, the good stuff. So he says, he who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap everlasting life. And that's on the other side of the equation. Sow to the flesh, from the flesh you reap corruption. Sow to the Spirit, from the Spirit you will reap everlasting life. Now people say, oh, what everlasting life? That means that's how we get saved. No, listen, listen. He's not telling you how to get saved. He's telling you how to live saved. He's not telling you how to get everlasting life, but how to enjoy the quality of the life that he has given to you. John 10 verse 10, Jesus said, They all who came before me were thieves and robbers, but I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. The abundant, the rich, abundant, overflowing life of Christ is available to every Christian, every believer. I wonder how many people, however, you know that are living in the fullness of Christ's abundant life. Don't want to put anybody under guilt and condemnation today, but, you know, very few Christians today seem to be enjoying the abundant life that God has given to them. It seems that we have so many problems and we, we're so down and negative and, and we spend all our time criticizing and carping and, criti and, and gossiping. Oh, the tasty morsels of gossip. A friend of a friend of a friend said to a friend of a friend of a friend, and I'm only telling you because you're a friend of a friend of a friend. That. And you say, my God, my God, has this got anything to do with the kingdom of God? Stop gossiping. Start living. Start sowing some positive things. Start being an encourager, not a gossiper. Start giving people some strength rather than tearing them apart with your mouth. If you sow negative words, you're going to reap them. It's going to come back to you. I tell you, we don't want that kind of stuff. So Paul is not talking about salvation. Imagine for a moment if he were. He's talking about money principally. And he's saying if you sow from the Spirit and use your money and invest your money, you will go to heaven. Does that sound right to you? Does that really? So you've got to pay your way to get to heaven. Does that sound right to you? Of course not. There is nothing you can do. You could, you could tithe uh, 99% and live off the 1% and get to heaven quicker because you starved yourself to death. You, 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 could, you, you could serve God all of your life. And you could do as many good works. You could own all the good works in the region and still not to get to heaven by what you've done. Because it's impossible by good works 
to get to heaven. So he's not talking about how to get to heaven. He's talking about how to experience the heaven that is already given you in your heart and in your spirit. How to enjoy it. And it's very clear, one's from the flesh. It always produces negative stuff. If we stick with the, with the illustration of finance, suppose you take your finance, you, you, whatever, whatever it might be. I mean, we're talking after Christmas, so let me, let's, let me just say, okay, uh, the 5,000 pounds you got left in your account. Oh. <laughs> or, okay, you just received a gift of 5,000 pounds. All right, so you got this wonderful 5,000 pounds. What am I going to go and do with this? Say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, I'm going to go out in the town, I'm going to go to all the nightclubs, I'm going to go to all this stuff, I'm going to really enjoy myself, I'm going to indulge myself, I'm going to spend it all on the flesh. What are you going to reap? Feed the flesh? You get more flesh. Uh, oh, okay, okay. That's just for those of you who want to lose a couple of kilos from that fat, fattened turkey at Christmas time and, and all those chocolates that you've been eating. Well, but the point is, is if you feed the flesh, I'm now not just talking about the body, I'm talking about that principle on the inside of you that looks for gratification. If you spend your money on self-gratification and you put your energy in gratifying yourself and in gratifying your flesh, all you will get is more of the same, and you will be in bondage, you will reap corruption, so let's get rid of all that stuff. Can we have an agreement in the house of God today? We crucify the flesh, we're done with the flesh, nothing to do with it. We live in the Spirit, so if we on the other side receive the things from the Holy Spirit, every word spoken to us in the Scripture is a word from God by His Spirit. Jesus said, the words I speak to you, they are Spirit, and that's why they are also life. You take the words of Christ and sow them in your life. Sow the seed of God's word in the soil of obedience. You will produce a harvest from the Spirit. And that means you will be entering in more fully and more consciously into the experience of eternal life now. The quality of your life, the quality of your experience with God will grow. And you will go from blessing to blessing to blessing to blessing because you sow even though Esteban pointed out at times you sow in tears in the time of pain in the time of anguish you sow in tears sometimes it's costly sometimes it's painful but we know that even though it might be back-breaking work when you are farming and sowing your seed you know that you're going to have a harvest a harvest of righteousness a harvest of blessing hallelujah amen and amen yes give God a praise So, let's have a look at some of the very simple principles of sowing and reaping. First of all, obvious, you have to sow before you can reap. You have to sow. Some people want to reap a harvest without ever having sown anything. Some people want to reap a harvest of joy but they've only sown bitterness and criticism. Oh, Some people want to reap a harvest of encouragement, but have only ever sown seeds of discouragement in their own spirit and also on behalf of others. So if you want a harvest, you have to sow. You have to sow. Everything in every area, every dimension of your life is the result of the things you have sown in the past. If you want a future to be different from the present, you have to sow different things from what you've been sowing in the past. To gain something you've never had, you have to do something you've never done. You heard that 
saying many, many times. So be prepared to sow. Now when you sow, it is a kind of a difficult thing to do. Because you might have a bag of seed here. And you say, well, why should I sow this? Why should I give this away? Why should I put this into the ground and let it die? I want it. I like it. I want it for myself. But <laughs> the Bible way is, if you want something, you've got to give it away. <laughs> this is either a Bible truth or it's a preacher's con trick. You better find out. But, you know, some people say, well, you know, uh, if you want something... Give it away. If you want to save your life, give it away. If you want a financial harvest, give away. Give away. If you want joy, sow it. Give it away to somebody else. If you want comfort, start comforting somebody else. If you want encouragement, start encouraging somebody else. If you want changes towards godliness and righteousness, start sowing those seeds of godliness and righteousness. And it, it is always a loss. There is always a loss when you have to give something away that you really want for yourself. Human nature, fleshly tendency is to hold on to the things that we want and not be generous with them. And to say, I want this for myself. But God says, there is seed for eating. Yes, there is. There's stuff that we do keep for ourselves and that's God's provision. But there's so much that God says, no, no, no. If you want more, give what you have away. Give and it will be given to you. Shaken down, pressed together and running over. Be poured into your lap. So God says, make sure you sow the things that you wish to reap. Even if at times it can be difficult and painful. And we know from the, from the life of, of farmers, not that I've ever been a farmer, but I was brought up on farms and many of our, my relatives in Africa, when I was a young man, we had, there were farms and I know it was jolly hard work, very, very hard work. And uh, it was, farming isn't what it was in 1877 as it is today. Okay, okay. thank you for not laughing because you know it's just, no way am I that old. But anyway, <laughs> even in today's world, Farming is hard work. It's hard work. And often it's thankless work. The whole of the year, it's hard, thankless work. But then harvest time comes. And even harvest time is the most exhausting time of all. But it's a joyful time because you see the fruit of your labors. The fruits of the sacrifices that you have made. So take a look, a hard look at what God is saying about your life to say, this is what I want. If you want to grow in the knowledge of God, you've got to give time to studying the Bible. I mean, not just reading it, but actually studying it and really allowing God's Word to have entrance in your life. If you want to get to know Jesus better, spend time with Him. And you set that alarm earlier. Or maybe, actually, it's not just that. It's going to bed earlier. That's the, that's the real issue, isn't it? Getting to bed earlier. Stop some of the, that midnight snacking and late night television and, and catching up on BBC iPlayer, all the junk that you missed in the daytime. You watch it late at night. It's just as much junk as it was in the daytime. Nothing to do with the BBC. There's some great programs on the BBC. Lest I be sued. Uh, ITV and all the rest of you. God love you. God bless you. Make it a little more sanctified and holier than you really are. Because sometimes you give us stuff that ain't very edifying. Amen. Okay, that's, that's, that's the media dealt with today. 
but it's still going to be junk whenever you watch it. But I'll tell you something, if you get down on your knees or lie on your face and say, God, show me something, show me something that will change my life. You've got to invest in your spiritual life to reap from your spiritual life. Some people are so disgruntled. How do I got? I've got nothing. I don't feel close to Jesus. There's no wrong for me. God's walked out on me. No, he hasn't. You've forgotten to sow. You've forgotten to sacrifice time and energy and effort and finance and all the stuff that you want for yourself. You have forgotten to sow it so that you can reap. Number one, you have to sow before you can reap. Number two, whatever you sow, you reap. If you sow cabbages, do you get potatoes? So if you want potatoes in your life, sow potatoes. It really is that simple. Seed produces according to its kind. Look at the implication of this. If it means if you want to reap something to gain it, you've got to sow it. You've got to give it away. It's paradoxical. Because naturally speaking, as I've said, we feel that if we hold on to something, we're going to conserve it. No, that's often the surest way of losing it. If you lose your life, you will gain it. But if you sow it and give it away, you will get it. Amen and amen. So number one, you have to sow before you can reap. Number two, whatever you sow, you will reap. Number three, and this is the glory bit, you reap much more than what you sow. It's the principle of multiplication. This is how we know God is in it. And we can explain it to a certain extent in the natural world, but it's still amazing to me how you can sow a grain of wheat and from that single grain, you can have as much as a hundred grain. You can reap a hundredfold as multiplication. And isn't good to partner with a God like that. This is the principle he put into our world in the very beginning. And it's a covenant God has with his people. What did he say to Adam and Eve? The Bible says, God blessed them and said, this is Genesis 1.28, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. On the negative side, if we sow some stuff and make some decisions which take us in the wrong direction, we get much, much more of the same back into our lives. But on the positive side, if you sow the good stuff in the good soil, you will get much, much, much more. The principle of multiplication. You can never outgive God under any circumstances, whether we're talking about giving finances or giving time and effort and sacrificial love, building one another up, encouraging one another, spending time with people, developing relationships, building your family around the principles of Christ, building your business around the kingdom principles of finance. Whatever you are doing and you are sowing the right kind of seed, it is hard, it is tough, and sometimes it's counterintuitive. We're doing the very opposite of what our mind tells us we should be doing, but when we go with the Word of God, we find that a blessing happens and God multiplies back to us in abundance. That's how it operates. The principle of sowing and reaping is multiplication. If you only got what you put in, it'll be like putting your money in the bank with no interest rates. 
It's a bit like today, I guess. But you put your money, it doesn't make anything. But if you sow a seed and it multiplies, then it brings much, much more. This is the law of harvest, multiplication. And that's how we grow. That's how we enter into the spiritual realm and the spiritual life. God says when you sow to the Spirit, it's multiplied back to you from the world, world of the Spirit, from the realm of the Spirit, and you begin to grow. You begin to grow. Uh, we know how easily negative things multiply. Isn't that right? You go into the garden, weeds and flowers grow in the same garden. We've got to get rid of the weed seed, get some weed killer, stop sowing those weed seeds, and start to grow and multiply the good seeds. Sow to the flesh, you will reap in multiples. Sow to the spirit, you will also get back more. You always reap more than what you sow, and God will multiply his grace, and multiply his blessings, and multiply his joy, and multiply his shalom in your life. How many people enjoy the principle of multiplication? Amen and amen. Okay. Number four, the next principle. The amount you sow will determine the amount you reap. In other words, you reap in proportion to what you sow. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6, very clear. But I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So you can't sow what you do not have. But if you give generously of what you have, you give your time, you give your attention. One of the most precious things we can ever give to somebody else is our time. And oh my, 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 it is time consuming. People are greedy when it comes to time consumption. They want it all. And you have to know when to draw the line. But I'm speaking to people one man's a Buddhist, the other, the other man's an atheist. Well, I'll tell you about him in a minute. other man was an atheist, he's no longer atheist, Buddhist, atheist, Muslim, and so on. I'm speaking to these people. I'm having a great time, having a great time. Good news about my atheist friend. He's no longer an atheist, praise God. He, he, he's now an agnostic, okay? <laughs> but he's moved from atheism to agnosticism. And uh, that's a big thing for him. Big thing. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm not an atheist after all. I'm an agnostic. So whereas before I knew there was no God, now I don't know whether there is a God or not. Well, that's a good step in the right direction, especially when you understand why he's an agnostic. I, and it's not so negative. Why are you agnostic? It's not because I said, do you, do you want to know? No, I don't want to know. What? Wait, 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 wait. Listen to what you're saying. You're telling me that you, God may exist, you don't know whether he does or not, he may exist, and you don't even want to know whether he does or not, no, I'm not interested, so I said, that can't be right, nobody could be that dumb and still breathe, that cannot be right, that cannot be right, so I began to think, why does he not want to know, and I asked more questions, and here's the reason, listen to this, it'll help you when you witness to people, here's the reason, he doesn't He's not interested or motivated to find out because he doesn't believe it is possible to know. That it's an idea, there's no way of really knowing for sure. So if I can help him understand that there is a way that you can know, 
that Jesus said he has seen me, has seen the Father. That the Apostle John says, I write these things to you who believe that you may know that you have eternal life. You can know. God has revealed these things to us. And you can discover and you can experience. I reckon then he's going to go from uh, uh, an atheist to agnostic to a Bible-believing Christian. Amen and amen. So pray for him. And let me encourage you, one of the most important seeds you can sow in 2014 is the seeds of faith in other people's lives by your behavior, by your lifestyle, by your witness, by your testimony. Scatter that seed. Let's see a harvest of souls in 2014. So the amount that you sow determines the amount that you reap in proportion. People say, well, my, 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 my cell group's not growing. All right. Oh, that's, that's, let's have a look. And uh, Tell me, what was the fruit from evangelism last year? Evangelism? Oh, no, no. We've been ministering to one another as believers. Uh, okay. Very good. Cell groups and Christian fellowship is about edification. We are to build one another up. There are 47 commands of we should do for one another, love one another, encourage one another, and so on and so on. That's very important. Edification is very important. Can I have an amen in the house of God? Edification is very important, but there's another, another E there. Not just edification, evangelism. And you've got to sow those seeds. If you don't sow seed into the soil of people's lives, they're never going to believe. How can they believe unless they hear? Amen? So come on, start sowing some seed. We've got to see a harvest of souls in 2014. And some say, oh, my, soul, my soul's not growing. Well, nothing would grow unless you plant it. Come on, people. Let's, let's do some more here. And it's not up to us to determine the outcome in this parable of the so, sower, you know, you, you know the story, he, he was sowing his seed. And some fell on the wayside, some fell rocky sand, rocky ground, some fell on thorny ground, some fell on good ground. You think, what a careless sower. What a careless sower. He must have just been chucking his seed anywhere. No, 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 no. But even when you sow, it is like scattering your seed. Even when the seed is sown in good soil, you don't know how much it's going to produce. 30, 60, or 100 fold. You don't know. That's God's business. Amen? We sow, we water, but God gives the fruit. God gives the increase. And so sow that seed wherever. It may fall upon hard ground. And sometimes it's very surprising. Some of the hardest, stoniest ground that you can think of actually is just a front. These people are desperately waiting to hear the good news of, of how to get saved. So we sow generously. In, in as much quantity as we, as we are able, because we're generous, we're generous. I don't know if you were over Christmas time, you're uh, accosted on the street with all of the charities, with their charity tin, tins, shaking, 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 shaking. You thought it was safe to go to, just, you thought it was bad in church services when we start rattling and shaking the offering bags. You think it's safe out in the real world. It ain't. Everywhere you go, and, and, and you know, you give to this, give to that. And you, what, what do you do? You think, well, you know, I, I paid my tithes. I don't know all I can do. And so mm, I haven't got any change. Well, don't worry about the change. What about those notes? No, no, no. The, the, those notes, I've, they're for something else. And, and maybe, maybe you'll take out just the smallest little coin and drop it in there. Uh, you're doing it just to get them off your back. Am I right? 
Sometimes, sometimes. I know some of you, many of you are very generous. But the point is, is that if you are joyful and enthusiastic and up for this, it's an opportunity for us to sow. And all the tragedies that happen, we have our Elam Relief Fund. We give uh, on your behalf to so many of the, of the uh, needs that, that occur in different parts of the world. And you are a generous church and a generous people. Generosity isn't always measured in how much you put in, but the spirit in which you do it, you sow in a spirit of generosity. So whenever you are sowing seed, you're not sowing in a calculated manner. I am giving you this in order to get something back from you. I'm going to be nice to you today because you better be nice to me tomorrow. I'll scratch your back and you scratch my back. No, it's a generous giving spirit, an open-hearted generosity that reflects the very generous nature of God himself. Uh, you sow liberally and you sh- give whatever you can give, whatever is in your power to give. Give a joy, give a blessing, give some help, give some encouragement, give some time, give some money and sow the right seed in your spiritual life and you'll get the right harvest. Final principle. All attitudes, all thoughts, all words, and all actions are nothing more, nothing less than seeds that we sow. Everything. Hold an attitude. It's a seed. You're sowing it. Hold on to a thought. It's a seed. Speak a word. You're sowing a seed. What you do is a seed. And these seeds are either negative, bringing a harvest of negative things, or positive, bringing positive fruit in your life. So these are the most fundamental principles of the law of sowing and reaping. So we look out into 2014. God is not going to give us in advance notification of everything that is going to happen to us every single day of 2014, we couldn't tolerate that. But God will give us clear indication of the direction we're to go and help us with a vision and a purpose and a destiny in our life that we are drawn to individually, but all the more together as a church. And we say, God, we're going to follow you this year. We know you've got great things in store for us And we're going to ensure that we lay hold of every one of those things by sowing the right kind of seed and bringing the right kind of harvest in our lives. God bless you as we pray. Father, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you for the wisdom of your spirit. The Spirit of God who searches out the deep things of God reveals them to us so that we can align our lives in obedience, that we might fulfill your plan, that we might build that plan and build that positive future and, and, and rise to that challenge and fulfill that purpose and attain to that destiny 
that you have mapped out for us. We thank you that you are in overall control of all things, but you do not bypass our personal responsibility created in the image of God with a freedom of choice. And we say today, we choose to sow our seed in the right things. We choose to sow positive things into our life. We choose to speak positive words and entertain the thoughts that glorify Christ that are consistent with who we are in Him. We choose to invest our finance above all things, in the purposes of God's kingdom. We choose to give everything that we are able to give in terms of our time, our energy, and service, and dedication to the things of the kingdom of God that we might reap from the kingdom, that experience of everlasting life, and that peace, and joy, and blessing. For you have purposed for us a future and a hope that brings shalom, not cursing. Peace, peace, not cursing. Let that peace be upon us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. The peace of the Lord be on you. Amen and amen. Go ahead, give him a big, 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 big praise.